New York Times best-selling series, The Prada Plan, is back, and Ashley Antoinette brings you pain, pleasure, love, and hate in this explosive fifth installment. Yaya finally has it all. The man she fought for is hers at last, and her daughter is safe. Leah is gone. Life is supposed to be good. So why isn't she satisfied? Why does life suddenly seem so bitter? Yaya's Prada plan had worked, but with the riches came pain. She and Indy have grown apart, and with Parker now a permanent fixture in their lives, Indy is pressured to juggle it all. Yaya's patience is running thin. However, Indy is loving her wrong, and Yaya is no longer willing to settle for less. With her happiness on the line, will Yaya risk her family and pursue a plan B? Or will she stay true to the man she loved from day one, for better or for worse? Prada Plan 5 is available for pre-order on Amazon.com and hit stores nationwide on May 16th. Reserve your copy today. It's the Bitch Cold Podcast. This, this, this podcast is for the boss bitches, rich bitches, broke bitches, bitch-ass niggas. <laughs> Welcome to the Bitch Code Podcast with Ashley and Company. It's everybody's favorite author here, Ashley Antoinette. We are powered by our radio. I am here with my veterans, Bitch Code V. Hey, everybody. Bitch Code KC. What up, though? And we are on location this episode. We flew all the way down to Miami to interview a very special guest. We have Dr. Miami, the famous Dr. Miami in the building today. Welcome. What up? <laughs> Thank you, ladies, for having me. Thank Very you cool. for coming. Thanks We're for coming. so pleased that you uh, agreed to do this interview. We're so honored. Uh, how do you feel? I feel rested. It's Sunday. <laughs> the day of rest. Yeah, this is no, no butt lifts today. No tummy tucks today. Is this the only day that you don't operate? Uh, and Saturday. And Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Is that family day? That's family day. Saturday's yeah. family day for me. Cool, cool. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What uh, made you want to be a plastic surgeon? Oh, What's, how far back you want me to go? As far as you are willing to tell us. Well, I can, I'll go. I mean, I, how long is this podcast? <laughs> We only have two I, hours. I can go back. Okay, so um, when I was a little kid, my dad bought a stethoscope for like $3 at a drugstore. And he would have me listen to his heart at night before he went to sleep. So it was my dream and it was his dream that I'd be a doctor. He never, he never went to college, barely made it through high school, um, first generation American. Uh, and, and my mom didn't graduate college either. So it, it was so from a very young age, I knew medicine was something that my parents were interested in me doing. Mm-hmm. And then when I was about six or seven, I watched this TV show called MASH, which had Alan Alda. He's like a comedian who's like kind of like yeah. a drama comedy. They're in the Korean War. And then, and I just thought, that's the kind of doctor I want to be a surgeon. That, they, they just seemed so cool to me. Mm-hmm. They were like rock stars of medicine. So, by the time I was 10, I knew I wanted to be a doctor. The only thing is, I really had no idea how to get there, right? Like my parents had, weren't, you know, they didn't go to graduate school. They weren't, weren't doctors or anything like that. So, um, so, and I was a bright kid. Mm-hmm. I just didn't do real well in high school. Really? I just, yeah, I just, I just didn't do real well in high school. Um, I guess if you watch my Snapchat, you know, I was kind of a class clown. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was highly distracted. Um, but not a bad kid. Yeah. You know? Uh, so anyway, I, 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 once, I, once I got to high school and uh, I knew I wanted to be a doctor, but I wasn't really like on that track, I realized I had to kind of reset my 
my GPS, like mm-hmm. how I was going to actually get there. So um, I left high school after 11th grade and entered community college. Wow. Yeah. So I started, and that was a decision you made alone without... Oh, no, no. Your- the school said, hey, <laughs> 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 we might not want you back for senior year. Okay, okay. <laughs> after that prank you pulled <laughs> with the gym teacher. So that was, uh, yeah, so it was, something, it was some, one of those kinds of situations. Okay. And it wasn't, it wasn't a bad kid. You know, I didn't break anything. I didn't steal anything. I didn't hurt anybody. But I just didn't, didn't like to follow the rules. Yeah. So uh, so my senior year, I, instead of going to, instead of going back, well, I couldn't go back to that school, but anyway, anyway I went to community college. Okay. Uh, and in community college, to me, it was like a reset. It was a total reset. And, uh, and I met with a guidance counselor who said, hey, you serious about being a surgeon and being a doctor? And I'm like, yeah, I really am. And I remember I was working, at a, I was working part-time at a, at a grocery store. Uh, I was a stock boy. I had the cat food aisle, by the way, which is the worst aisle. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna work, if you're gonna work in a supermarket, that's the worst. It smells, and the cans have to be moved forward and lined up perfectly. You're a long way from the supermarket now. Right? Long way. But I remember my friends coming in, and they were in high school, and I had not yet enrolled in community college, and I was essentially a dropout at that point. They'd come in and say, "Hey, what are you doing with your life?" I'm like, "I want to be a doctor." They're like, "Yeah, a lot of doctors work in the cat food aisle." That shop and go. Anyway, so there I was. But when I got to community college, I, uh, I, I met a guidance counselor. He said, hey, this is how you do it. First of all, you have to have this GPA. You got to take these classes, biology, chemistry, organic chemistry. I didn't really know all that stuff and what I needed to do. But once I had my path laid out for me, mm-hmm. I was obsessed, like, you know, just focused like a laser beam. Um, and so I went from community college uh, after one year to Brooklyn College, which is a city college in Brooklyn, um, and for two years. And... I realized that I was smarter than I had, you know, thought I was, and mm-hmm. that I, when I pay attention in school and I focus, that I could do better, and I did, and I got literally straight A's, wow. and um, and got uh, and took my MCAT, my medical college admissions test, um, early. I actually taught myself the physics required for that test again because I knew I did, that my undergraduate degree was not really important to me, but mm-hmm. my, I wanted to get to medical school as quickly as possible. Um, so I took it, I applied, and I got into med school. Wow. And I went from, I went literally from high school dropout to, to med school. I started med school when I was 20. That's an amazing oh, wow. story. Yeah, so that's, and that's why I tell it because, you know, a lot of kids, you know, they're in high school and they're like, I'm never going to, you yeah. know, but if you focus and you know where you're going, that's it. But now here's, here's the interesting part of the story, how I became a plastic surgeon, because I knew I wanted to be a surgeon. I just didn't know what kind of surgery I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I'd seen was MASH on TV. Mm-hmm. And I'd never even heard of plastic surgery at this point. Okay. Um, I started dating... My wife, who is, she's now my wife of 22 years, but then we were just boyfriend, girlfriend. We, mm-hmm. we were dating for about two or three months. She was very pretty. <laughs> she, is, she is beautiful. She's beautiful now. But I'm just saying, she was like, I, I consider her out of my league. And um, she, and by the way, she was my sugar mama. Oh, wow. <laughs> she had a car. She had a job. I was, you know, I was living on $8 a week in a, renting a, a room in Brooklyn. And she dropped me off in her car and she turned the corner. And uh, as soon as I got into the house, my phone was ringing. There was no cell phones back then. And it was her. She was at a payphone crying. And I said, where are you? She said, I just got into a car accident. I ran to her and she was bleeding from her face. Oh, no. Her car was totaled. And, uh, and the ambulance came, took her to the hospital. She had, had a cut. She got a cut right through her lower lip. Oh, All wow. the way through, you could like see her teeth through it there. It was, oh, wow. it was really nasty. And the intern there, who was on call, he just sewed it up. With every, it wasn't a plastic surgeon. He just mm-hmm. sewed it up. And she, uh, she ended up with a scar. It looked, kind of looked like a caterpillar had crawled under her lip there. Oh, wow. Right. 
Now, I, I actually thought it was cool because less, less guys were going to look at her now. No. I had already locked you her had up. You had a motive. I had a motive. And so I, was, I never mentioned it to her, nothing, nothing. But after about six months, she's like, you know, this is bothering me. What can I do about it? And I said, well, you know, she's like, do you think I should get plastic surgery on it? I'm like, I don't know anything for plastic surgery. Um, so she opened the yellow pages. And back then, there was no internet. So you to find a surgeon or find anything, you just open the yellow pages. And the way you figured out who was the best is basically whoever had the biggest ad. That whole ad, oh wow, that whole page, they must be good. And they couldn't, they didn't have pictures. They mm -hmm. just had so, but if they had like color letters, that means they pay a little more. So we just picked the nicest ad we could find. Uh -huh. We took the subway into Manhattan and I walked into his office and she went in for the consultation. And on the desk, I mean it was it was a great office. It was like balling office. It was like Upper East Side, Park Avenue, that kind of uh -huh. thing. And uh on his waiting room table was this, uh, what looked like a wedding album, right? Mm -hmm. It was like real pictures. There's no digital photography back then. It was real pictures. And I started opening the book. And as I went from page to page, it just blew me away. It was like before and after pictures. Uh -huh. It's like facelifts, tummy. I was like, how the, where'd the breast go? And how the, <laughs> how the tummy get like that? How she, what? Like, how did you do this? It was like magic. Uh -huh. It was like, kind of like, you know, a lot of kids, when they see my Snapchat for the first time and they see the before and after pictures, they're also kind of like blown away. They're like, well, how did you do yeah, that? Like, it's like yeah. magic. It's phenomenal. Right. Imagine, but I didn't see anything in between. I didn't see the cutting yeah, and the sewing. Yeah. I just saw these two pictures and I was like, wow, that's really cool. So when she came out for consultation, I, I said, hey, what are you? Basically, I was like, what is this <laughs> magic that you do and how do I learn how to do it? And he just sat me down. He told me, this is plastic surgery. You know, when you get to med school, because I told him I was interested in medicine, when you get to med school, find some plastic surgeons at your at your med school and see what they can do for you. And that's what I did. Wow. That's what I did. As as I got to med school the next summer, and I went right to the plastic surgery department and uh, said, you know, take me. You know, I'll do whatever you want. I'll wash your car. I'll you know, <laughs> do your laundry. And I'll stay late, come early, whatever you want to do. And and that's that's basically it. And I, that was... I was about I was twenty years old mm -hmm. when I met my first plastic surgeon. I'm now forty five, so I've been wow. so twenty five years. I've done nothing but focus on becoming a doctor, a surgeon, a plastic surgeon. That's it. That's a phenomenal story because you went from class clown to the king of BBLs. Yes. Do you the know king. that people call you that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. First, tell us what is a BBL for the so, listeners that do not know. What is a BBL? So a BBL is a Brazilian butt lift. And don't ask me why, because the first ones were not even done in Brazil, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's just like how, it, they just, for, in popular language, that's what it's called. It's where we take fat from areas of the body that you don't want it, and we put it in the place you do. So we take it from your tummy, your sides, your back, your arms, your thighs, wherever you don't like your fat, take that out, we isolate it, we put antibiotics into it, we suck, we like drain out the blood, give that back to you, take just the fat, and inject it into the booty. Mm. And do you consider yourself the king? Uh, well, you know, look, I got to be modest. Of course you do. <laughs> Just because I have, I, I mean, in my office, I literally have a throne. And a, and a red carpet and a crown and a, and a scepter. But that doesn't necessarily make me the king of everything. No, but but uh, look, I, there, are, there are a lot of great surgeons that know how to do this operation. I think that uh, I, would, I would call myself the pop, like the most popular, you know. Okay. I'm like the okay. popularizer of this operation. You know, I didn't invent it. I've, I've, I've made certain advances to help, you know, the technology along, but even like my technique this year is different than my technique two years ago. Got you. You know, so we're, so you're we're constantly evolving. We're constantly evolving. Um, but it's a great operation. It's the only operation that really changes a woman's shape or a man's mm. shape because, you know, your, your genetics are your genetics. You're going to, when you gain weight, you're going to put it on in certain places before you put it on in other, in mm -hmm. other places. And some women are just naturally, you know, lucky, gifted. They win the genetic lottery and they're just like shaped, you know, like a guitar hourglass. Hard for them to gain weight in their tummy, easy to gain weight on their hips on some women. 
And a lot of, most people are the opposite. Yeah. They put yeah. it on here. <laughs> <laughs> when they want it to go, it just doesn't go. And there's no, there's no, there's no machine in the gym that's going to change your shape. It's not going to change where your fat is put on, your distribution mm-hmm. of fat. Only surgery does that. Now, when you remove the fat from a specific area, does that fat come back? Uh, it can if you gain enough weight. Okay. I mean, it's not a miracle. What we do is, you know, we suck, you know, you have literally billions of fat cells in your body. Um, and so we'll like take 90% of the fat cells from your tummy. We can't get every last one. Mm-hmm. So you still have some fat cells left. And fat cells are very interesting because the number of fat cells you have in your body is fixed more or less by the time you're four or five years old. Okay. So they don't, they don't actually multiply. They just get bigger. And fat cells can get so big you can see them without a microscope. Wow. It's like normally like a cell, you have to look at a microscope. Mm-hmm. See, fat cells, they just keep, they're like a giant storage compartment, like a balloon. They just keep getting bigger and bigger. So even if we leave like, you know, 10% of the fat cells in a certain area, it's harder to gain weight there because there's less fat cells, period, in okay. that area. But each one can grow. So what I tell women, if you stay within 10 or 15 pounds of the weight that you end up with after Brazilian butt lift, that shape is going to be like that forever. Now, if you gain 50 pounds or 100 pounds, fat's going to go everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, you talk, you spoke about uh, being the surgeon to make it popular. Yeah. You use Snapchat a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you, how do you, do you think that that contributed to the popularity of your brand? I do, for sure. I mean, so, so, it, it, the, the social media thing, so, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I've been in private practice for 14 years uh, in, in Bell Harbor, which is a, you know, like a fancy area on Miami Beach. Um, and I, you know, I had a local reputation, uh, you know, but my my brand essentially was Bell Harbor Plastic Surgery, and very few people knew Michael Salzauer. Knew, and first of all, name's hard to pronounce, hard to remember, hard mm-hmm. to spell. You know, not a great, not a great branding name, right? <laughs> um, but I got onto Instagram, and initially, just like everybody else, started posting pictures of you know my vacations and the food I was eating mm-hmm. and you know, silly stuff. I had about 200 followers. I don't know who. <laughs> Probably robots or something, not even real people. And then one day a lady came in for a consultation and she, you know, she was kind of rude. And at the end of the consultation, she said, you know, your Instagram sucks. I'm like, wow. I'm like thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. And she's like, I'm like, oh, you must be one of the 200 people that actually looked me up. She's yeah. like, I don't even follow you. I just looked at your page. And, and she's like, no one cares what you eat or where you go to, on vacation. Mm-hmm. All, like, all we care about is your surgery. True. Yeah. So, you know, why don't you post that on your Instagram? Anyway, she, she got a quote. She never came back, never booked her. I don't even know her name anymore. She just came, came <laughs> in my life and left, you know? <laughs> Turns out to be like an angel. Though, she because, planted that seed. Because she planted that seed. And that weekend, I started thinking about it. Monday morning, I mean, I had all these pictures, uh, before and after pictures on my website. They were, for, were there for anybody to see. Mm-hmm. But I guess websites are like not really the place people go anymore. People yeah. are on social media all the time. So I just took a, pay, a before and after picture from my website, put it on my Instagram. And like, lo and behold, like within a, a week or two, I went from 200 to 1,000 followers. Well, that's pretty cool. And then the next week, 5,000. And within two or three months, we had almost 90,000 followers on wow. Instagram. Yeah. Which is a lot, you know. On social media, it's it's hard, you know, it to is. come out of nowhere and start growing. That the first ten thousand are the hardest, right? So, we were all happy in the office, and of course, the girls in the office were super excited because, by association, their social media accounts are <laughs> growing. And I've got all like young millennial, you know, pretty girls in the office. And so there's like it's like it's like better than money to them, <laughs> really better than money. So everything was going great, and then one day we woke up and the Instagram account was deleted. 
and uh, it was like it, it was a dark day in the office. Oh, so they no, were so no. sad. <laughs> they were like, we went to zero. And I panicked a little bit. I even remember when I found out, I, I started tweeting. I mean, I started uh, posting on my uh, Instagram, you know, hey, this is my new account, you know, because they, they, they deleted the old account. Oh, I should tell you why they got deleted, right? We got deleted because Instagram, you know, they have rules about what you can show. Yeah. And even though we put emojis over all the breasts and the private parts, you know, there were enough people, if you're a public account, people searching, if they see it and their kids see it, they can report oh, you. Oh, wow. So if you get reported enough, it's gone. And we called Instagram. They said, look, you can't ever have this account name again. Mm-hmm. It was Dr. Miami. Um, and, but just start all over. Which, wow. That's it. So we started The Real Dr. Miami. <laughs> and, I, and, and I posted, you know, hey, everybody, this is my new account. But then my wife looked at me and she goes, you know, honey, you just, you just posted that to nobody. You have zero followers. Yeah. Who saw that? Nobody saw that post. And, was, and it was very depressing. The point is that I was walking around the house for a couple of days, kind of moping and depressed. My daughter, who was 15 years old at the time, she said, dad, why don't you try Snapchat? And the only thing I had heard about Snapchat is like 2015, 2014, uh, 2015, I think she's, was that people used it for sexting. I'd read an article in a newspaper about Snapchat and said, se- Really? And I look, when your yeah. 15-year-old daughter tells you that, you, Dad, you should try Snapchat, I looked at her like, like What do you know about Snapchat? <laughs> you have, what? I'm like, and she's like, no, Dad, Dad, no, no, no. They have a stories feature. <laughs> they have a stories feature and you can put your whole day through and they just started that stories feature. So I went to the office. I told uh, Tati, my you know my assistants about it. She put it on my phone. It took me, you know, trying to teach a forty year old guy, I don't know, forty two, whatever old I was then, how to use Snapchat is like trying to teach a fish how to climb a tree, because Snapchat is not very intuitive, you know, <laughs> unless right, it's not right. It's a, so anyway, they showed me how to use it. We went to the first patient that day. She happened to be a young nineteen or twenty year old girl who knew exactly what Snapchat was and was like super excited to be on a story that we were going to do her surgery on the, on the Snapchat. So she signed a permission form. We did it. I went home. I showed my daughter. Uh, we had 1,800 viewers. And my daughter was so excited that we got 1,800 viewers. She's like, that's a lot yeah. for Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> so we, went, we did the next day. And it just, it just blew up. Within a month, we had 100,000 people watching every day. By wow. the end of the year, we had a million people. We had 2 million people. And I got nominated for Snapchatter of the Year, yeah. 2016, 2015, 2016. I lost to DJ Khaled, which is okay. Because <laughs> I beat that's Kylie. Because okay I beat Kylie Jenner, so that's all right. <laughs> right. Um, but it was it was all really surreal. So all that like social media stuff, and all the uh, all the branding stuff about Dr. Miami and the popularity of BBLs, which again was made possible because of the Snapchat, because of social media. All that happened you know, really just by the act, an act of God, you know? Sometimes things happen, like your Instagram account gets deleted, you're all depressed, but really it leads to something even better. Yeah. You yeah. know? And so, and that, that happens all the time in my life and I think in everybody's life. So, um, but yeah, that's it. That's how, the, and, now, and now I'm known as king of BBLs. I was always doing BBLs. Uh-huh. I was always doing 500 a year, but there was no way to let the world know yeah. unless you were unless you were looking for a BBL. Yeah, yeah. But no. now, now it's out there. I absolutely love, 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 love your Snapchat. Like, Thank you. I'm all in. So watch, my- watch tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow's tomorrow's going to be a good day. Yeah, I literally lay in the bed at night and watch like, oh, cool. yeah, from the whole day. Mm-hmm. My question to you is, what type of bloopers have you had with the Snapchat, if any? Bloopers mean like, 
I mean, we like so, you know, because it's Snapchat and it's live people. Sometimes people say stuff. Yeah. You know, people say stuff, and then we do like, no, you can't say that. You got to be nice. <laughs> you know, you got to be nice. We're talking about people. You know, they have feelings. Yeah. Um, those kinds of things. As far as like surgery goes, I mean, thank God. You know, we're really, really careful with the surgery, even though we have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, what you don't see. Um, you know, in the TV show, we showed a patient that we had to cancel the same day mm-hmm. because Barry saw something wrong with her airway. Like mm-hmm. things like that happen. Yeah. You know, um, but like we never want to get to that, put anybody in the operating room that is not ready for surgery okay. medically. So we're real strict. Like we don't we don't operate on people that BMI above really thirty this year. We we used to be thirty two. Okay. Uh, we don't operate on smokers, diabetics, people that history of blood clot, and really you have to be like perfectly healthy. I don't operate on people over the age of fifty either. So we, okay, we keep yeah. our we keep our um, patient population very very narrow, very specific, very very healthy, so that medically, you know, everybody does well or as well as they possibly mm-hmm. can. So I'm super conservative in that way. I mean, I've been in practice fourteen years, ten thousand patients, no one's ever ever died yeah. or not woken oh, that's up. That's good. Yeah, and it, it sounds like a silly thing, but like in Miami, in the world today, mm-hmm. with surgery, I mean, every surgeon things happen. You know, mm-hmm. it's surgery; it's always yeah. risk. But we have a perfect record in that regard. I don't want to break my streak, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking okay. of your television show, yeah. I have I watched one of your episodes where mm. there was almost a blooper where you guys couldn't find his chin. You guys couldn't find his chin. Couldn't find the chin. Couldn't find the right size. No, I mean, that that stuff actually happens. Look, I mean, there's, you know, we're human beings, you know, and like no matter how much you prepare and how you know there's always there's always that human variable um but yeah it wasn't like, look obviously in, the, in tv they kind of dramatize it a little yeah. bit <laughs> you know they like cut to commercial it you know, was like, very dramatic right they cut to commercial like you, what are you going to do i mean the patient's patient's on the table but you know what as surgeons we're really good at learning how to improvise. So like, even if she didn't find that chin, <laughs> he would end up with a nice chin anyway. I had a lot of other sides, a lot of other options to go to go with. Um, but yeah, there's dramatic moments, you know, even even like, you know, even even in surgery, like so, sometimes a patient's oxygen saturation will drop. These are like medical terms, you know, mm-hmm. but like, and then Barry's got to assess, well, is the tube in too far? What's happening? There's always a little bit of that going on, but... You know, when you have good professional people, you catch things quick and mm-hmm. you, you, know, you, you make adjustments and you move along. I mean, surgery is like, you know, it's, it, it, got, it has to keep moving. Yeah. There's, no, there's yeah. no like major breaks in it, you know. Okay. Now you spoke of um, the dangers of palastic surgery and you yeah. minimizing your patient pool to make sure that you're yep. operating on the most healthy people possible. Yep. How do you feel about the people that don't fit into that pool who seek cosmetic surgery through, so, um, so like, say, I, foreign Right. So I have, I have very strong feelings about that, maybe too strong. Like, I, like I feel like um, there's a misconception. I mean, plastic surgery is really best for young, healthy people. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you look at especially the, the the tragedies that you see in the media, you know, for example, you know Kanye West's mom, you know, like that. Yeah, situation. she went to Columbia to get it. No, done, she right? didn't. No, no, she did it. No, she did it in the states. But, oh wow! But but she was older and she had a heart issue, mm-hmm. and a lot of doctors turned her away, okay. and then she found someone who would say yes. So mm-hmm. like I feel, you know, I just feel like if people understood that it's it's like, you know, it's a it, it's like a. It's a sport, but it's only certain people can play. You Got know, you. okay. Like, and I, I, you know, and 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 I, I just feel like the, the risk and the benefits have to be in your favor before you go under the knife. Do you um, agree or disagree? Are you in support of cosmetic tourism? 
Yeah, I'm okay. As yeah. long as you're young and healthy. Okay. In other words, it's not. There are good surgeons in Colombia. There are great surgeons in Korea. Mm-hmm. There's there's great surgeons all. There's no monopoly of great surgeons. Okay. The the thing is, you have to make sure that where the surgery is happening is safe. Mm-hmm. Um, that the doc. You should probably know the doctor that's going to operate on you okay. a little bit. You know, kind of what their life is like, where they're coming from. <laughs> you know, are they cokeheads? Are they going out? Oh, every, no. I mean, you know, you should no. But those are things. You know, this person, you're gonna, their life. Your life is going to be in their hands for a while. And are you healthy enough to have this surgery? Right, so right. if you're healthy enough to have it with me, you can have it in Colombia, you can have it in Mexico, you can have it in LA, okay. as long as the surgeon is good and you're healthy. Got you, and you've done your research, And right? you've done your homework, and that's it. And I don't think, um, you know, and and even like just, even just finding like a board certified plastic surgeon in and of itself is not enough. Now, what does board certified mean? Explain that to so our there, listeners. So, okay, so... The, so and like I, and, I, and I'm, I'm prefacing this by saying, board certification is not the end all or be all. In other words, just because someone has a piece of paper on the wall mm-hmm. that says they're board certified, and I am board certified, ten years, and I've recertified for another ten years. So I mean, I went go through all the steps and the paperwork, but at the end of the day, that's just paperwork. Okay, you know what I mean. And there are there are bad things can happen to board certified plastic surgeons that are just unlucky. And sometimes there's just, it's just bad surgeons. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. or maybe they're just in a place in their life where they're not paying attention. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You so that's I, why you say get to know your surgeon. Get know to what's know going your surgeon. And they're, or, or for example, let's say the guy just got board certified. He's like, you know, 32 years old and you're his first patient. Yeah, that's scary. I, mean, I don't think I, I want to be the guinea pig. You don't want to yeah. be right now. I'm, look, everybody's got to learn, and everybody's got to go through a process. But like you know, if you're if you're comparing like a 32 year old guy who's just got his board certification, who's done you know two tummy tucks on his own in his whole life, and a guy who maybe isn't even board certified, but he's done you know a thousand tummy yeah. tucks. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna go response. with experience. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of factors to to figure out. But so board certification, me by the American Board of Plastic Surgery means that you've done at least at least six years of surgical training, okay. including a plastic surgery fellowship, and passed a rigorous written exam and an oral exam given by other plastic surgeons and where you present your own cases, pictures, before and afters, medical records, and they say, okay, you've you've passed. Okay. Okay. That but that's all that's all we can do, you know, as far as certifying people. Yeah, yeah. Now is but the board it, certified mm-hmm. when you board certify a mm-hmm. surgeon, is that a term that's used overseas as well. How do you know if someone overseas it's, it's is so, qualified? It's so it's so it's totally different overseas. It's totally different. Every country okay. has their own rules, and I- even in this country, for example, you could be board certified in obstetrics mm-hmm. and call yourself board certified, but you're not a plastic surgeon board certified, or Got you can you. be a, a board certified emergency room doctor and pl- and dabble in plastic surgery and still not be board certified. And I'm not saying that that's wrong because some of those sur- some of those guys they do surgical fellowships. And they do, they have five, 10 years experience doing tummy tucks, liposuction, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, if you watch the Snapchat, you see it's not rocket science. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it requires skill and mm-hmm. manual dexterity and practice. Mm-hmm. And obviously you have to be a doctor and know <laughs> about the body and what's, where you can put things. Well, it's a little bit of rocket science. But no, really, but really, no. I mean, I've had middle school students that watch my snap, you know, eight, you know, high school kids come in and I'm telling you, I bet if I left the room, they could pick up and like finish and the finish operation for me. But they've seen it like 150 times and they know where everything goes and they're good with their hands. They could probably do it. So it really is not that common. It's not like building an iPhone or something. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, um, but the point is that 
Um, there are some guys that don't have their board certifications, but are surgeons mm-hmm. and have experience and they're real good. And in other countries, you know, it, it really varies. Okay. It really varies. So again, the key thing is, are you young and healthy and is a surgeon who's going to operate on you have experience and do you know who they are? That's really it. You know, Got like, you. Got you. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's it. Absolutely. I want to I I just have a stranger operate on me. Yeah. You want to put your hand, your life in the hands of yeah. someone you trust. So that someone makes sense. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that people who research surgery actually consider that. You're just I don't looking think they at think, reviews and pictures. And, yeah, I don't think they think of it like that. Yeah. I think people need to start thinking about thinking about um, medicine in general like mm-hmm. that a little more. A little more. Yeah, I do. That's an excellent perspective. Now, yeah. being that I am the Snapchat lover over here, okay. <laughs> you use that 10 blade. Yeah. Like, what is the importance of that 10 blade? I, I need to know. Well, okay. Well, I mean, it, you know, obviously like every every um, craftsman has his tools, yes. you know. <laughs> if I was a carpenter, I'd have certain tools. So um, those, are the, those are the tools in my toolbox that I do what I do. So um, a 10 blade, it's just a, it's a real sharp scalpel. It's a, a nice wide belly to the blade. Mm-hmm. And when you're cutting off like large swaths of skin, you need to... <laughs> <laughs> that blade is amazing. That blade's amazing. I'm telling you, right? An hour with that blade, and you're like a new person. You're like yeah. carbon turkey. <laughs> right. it, it it is. It is. And um, listen, I, I I think in telling the Snapchat, I love what I do. I yes, mean, it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's it's really a lot of fun, and it's even more fun when they come back. Patients come back, and their and their results are there, mm-hmm. and we look at the before pictures and the after pictures together, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of tears. There's a lot of like. Tears of joy mm-hmm. and like just like relief and things like that. You're and changing lives, definitely. Yeah, I feel like that. Self-esteem. I feel like that, Now, Dr. Miami, you've had so much success with social media. What made you want to venture into television? Because that's like a whole new ball game. Like you said, the drama is amped up times 10. Yeah, it is. It's like Those everything. commercial breaks it's like, kill me. I'm like, wait, no. It's like Where's everything, <laughs> everything with the volume turned all the way up. It's like right. on steroids. Everything's the same, like the drama, but just amped up. Um, so, listen, to, for a class clown to have his own reality show, it's like a dream come true. It's like a dream come true. I mean, what, like I couldn't say no. I just right. couldn't. I mean, I, I'm, it, let me tell you, it was a lot of work. Okay. It, a lot of extra hours, a lot of shooting scenes on the weekends, on Sundays like this. Um, over months and months, and then notes from the network come back. I mean, it's a whole process. It's a huge process. Took a lot of time and, and energy away from, you know, my main focus. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, I think it was worth it because it's like I said, it's like it was on my bucket list, you know. Um, and how many people get an opportunity to do that? So mm-hmm. true. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank Congratulations you. That on that, really, by the way. It was really cool. You're kind of living the dream yeah, all the way around. You have the social media fame. Fun. <laughs> you have it's the fun. you're kind of like a celebrity. Yeah. In your own I like to say I'm I like that I'm famous. <laughs> no, you're famous, <laughs> Dr. Famish. Miami. I'm like almost famous. <laughs> you are and fun. you have a thriving practice. So yeah, that's it's amazing. Nice. It's that, nice. The transition from class clown. I love that you started as a kid that people would have counted out. Yeah. I love that because there's so many, especially inner city youth, that yeah. are just counted out before Count they out. even know what they want to be or the potential of who they could become. You know, I, I just um, I just read Charlemagne the God's book, Black Privilege, mm-hmm. last week. I identified more with him than a lot of other people I've read <laughs> wow. their life stories, yeah. It's yeah. just like, you know, and I, and I tweeted him, I sent him a message saying that, you know, that like it's, you know, there were, uh, people weren't expecting much, you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's sometimes it's an advantage. 
Yeah. You know, because you can I got, I had no pressure. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, no, when people aren't expecting much, you know, there's, there's a lot less pressure. Did you put a lot of pressure on yourself though through those years? I did. I did. You know, and mainly it's, it's really my wife Yeah. <laughs> wanted to make her happy. Oh, that, and that, that, and that sounds, it sounds all sappy and stuff, but like still today it's like, I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to make her happy. You know, that's like really the main, the really the main thrust of everything I do. She's your motivation. She's my motivation. That's beautiful. And, you know, and like I said, in the beginning, when I talked about her, when she had her accident, like I always felt like I reached beyond my station a little bit. Like I went, I went for somebody that was out of my reach and mm-hmm. I'm always trying to keep up with that. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing. Yeah. You know, it keeps, uh, as, as a guy, it keeps you motivated. It keeps, keeps you, you on your toes. It keeps you, it keeps <laughs> you on your toes. And she's great. She's a wonderful wife and a wonderful mother. We have five kids and, uh, that's beautiful. Yeah, can I tell you? Can I tell you a little story? Yeah, I'm, I'm, absolutely. So, We're all so, so, um, so, uh, so, um, my kids love basketball. Okay. I don't know anything about. I mean, I know about basketball, but I'm, but like, I didn't grow up as a basketball fan. Okay. And I, I really like it. I really was into sports. I was just kind of like into making people laugh and. Uh, and whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. I did, I did, I participated, but I wasn't like very good at no, it. I didn't like, <laughs> like my kids know all the stats and all, you okay, know, okay. And all the Bleacher Report and ESPN, all that stuff. And anyway, they love the heat. And um, my wife, and, and my wife said, um, you know, my wife's trying to do a charity thing. And she's like, see if you can get Hassan Whiteside to come, to come to the charity thing. I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know him. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know him, but you know, like, but I said, you know what? I'll, I'll try. She said, no, no. A friend of mine's friend knows knows his mom or knows his best friend or mm-hmm. something. And so Friday morning, you know, it, it, it seemed like an impossible. It really seemed like an impossible thing. I'm, I'm not like plugged into Hollywood. I'm really not. I don't have like you know an agent to like talk to and like mm-hmm. hook me up with stuff like this or whatever if I want to. So it was just real simple. I sent a text to whatever contact person my wife had given me, even though I, I really felt like I had no chance of like ever reaching him or succeeding mm-hmm. at this this task. But I'm like, I'm going to try to make my wife happy, you know, like no matter mm-hmm. what. I, anyway, it, and just God just like made it happen. Somehow, turns out his, Hassan's girlfriend is a fan of my Snapchat. And I texted his friend and then, and, and they were, and he's like, why don't you come over for dinner Friday? And I'm like, you can't come, I can't come over for dinner Friday. Like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's our Sabbath. I'm, Jew, I'm Orthodox Jewish okay. guy. So I can't, I can't drive. I can't drive or, or turn the lights or anything or use my phone. It's like, okay, we'll pick you up. I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. I can't get in the car. I'm like, why don't you come to our house for dinner? And there's like silence on the text. You're like, and then, and then like 20 minutes later, okay. So I'm like, I'm like, honey, you're not gonna believe this, but Hassan Weiss is gonna come to dinner tonight. You know, don't tell the kids, you know? And uh, on Friday night, he came, he came with his chef, Freddie, his girlfriend, Ashley. And with his chef? With his chef. Oh, wow. He goes there with his chef. <laughs> Chef's a great guy. Yeah, yeah Rudy. So um, anyway, the kids were so excited. and But I, but like they were, like, I mean, I, I was excited too. Like <laughs> and we just had a great time. We just had a great time. And they were playing basketball. We have a little like a mini basketball court in our house. And they were, they were playing. It was like so fun. It's so much fun. But the joy that I got out of that was I looked at my wife's mm-hmm. face when she was watching the kids. And she was so happy. Mm-hmm. And like that, like right there, mm-hmm. that's like, that's my motivation. That's, that's why you that, do it. That's why I do it. That was like my home run. That's my, yeah. It's that's amazing. my Super Bowl ring right there. That You're was very it. humble. Yeah. Like I would have expected you to just revel a little bit more in your Dr. Miami-ness. Like you're very humble. You come from a very 
uh, just real place. And that's uh, refresh, refreshing to see. You're very family oriented. Oh, totally. Um, totally. Very motivated by your wife and your marriage. You've been married for decades. That's amazing. Thank you. That's very amazing. Very, Thank very you. impressive. Now, you're also known for your turn up. In yeah. The operation, <laughs> in the operating yeah. room. So, yeah, uh, you have, have trap music yeah, playing. Have, You're yeah. like dabbing. <laughs> uh, that's very cool to see for us. Yeah. But I've I've also seen some criticism behind that. How yeah. do you feel about the bitter Bettys who think that yeah. that isn't appropriate for the operating room? Look, I mean, so a couple of things about the operating room. First of all, I mean, surgeons have been listening to music in the operating room forever. I mean, I remember when I was an intern, they and whatever. Some some guys like heavy metal. <laughs> some guys like classical music whatever they listen to they listen to so that's not anything new um and yeah the dabbing and like talking to the talking to the camera it's it's a little bit different but really you know the way surgeons learn is you know it's like an apprentice system where you you know you go into a hospital and you there's a senior surgeon and you work with him and he talks to you mm-hmm. as he does the operation i'm going to do this uh, help me hold this like that. Okay. Try it yourself. You know, it's like it, there's there's a lot of that interaction. So the difference is instead of talking to a person or a student or a, a resident doctor, I'm talking to the Snapchat people. <laughs> okay. So you're so, teaching everyone as you go. So I'm trying to teach everyone as I go. The other thing is the operation, like the BBL, the tummy tug, those operations take hours. And the Snapchat part, even on the, the longest days, like maybe five minutes okay. of the actual okay. operation. And I try to explain that to people. So, and and you know, we had Periscope, we had Instagram Live. We've done we've done a few operations, trying to try not to get kicked off those things because mm-hmm. we show mm-hmm. too much nakedness. They're gonna throw yeah, us off those platforms yeah. too. We've done that, but the thing is, it's kind of like it's almost like boring to watch the operation in real time <laughs> without the music and without the no. Up. Even with the even with the music, the music plays the whole time. But like to watch the operation happen minute by minute, yeah. second by second, three hours, four hours. You know, like like a Friday night's episode with Brittany. Brittany had, she had her breast, she had her BBL. It was like a four or five hour operation. Mm-hmm. You could you could never sit there and watch yeah. that for four or five hours. Yeah. So, um, and so the amount of time that I'm talking to the snap and making my little shtick and stuff like mm-hmm. that, it's not, it's not the whole time. It's minimal. It's minimal. Yeah. yeah. So okay. it's like that makes it's a, sense. so and so and, and other surgeons recognize that. Okay. And there was surprisingly little backlash uh, from the actual established. Uh, plastic surgeon community. Some of the older surgeons were like, you know, one of my one of my colleagues said they're like banging their canes. You know, like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, but, but they, they couldn't really do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, they, the one time I did get a letter from the American Board of Plastic Surgery was when I did, you know, the Sogon challenge. Yeah, yes. yeah. So I did that. <laughs> And I said, you know, I, I said something about all the, you know, all the bad bitches on Instagram. And I, so I used that in my rap, uh-huh. and I got a letter from the American Board of Plastic Surgeons <laughs> saying, you cannot refer to patients or as potential bitches. patients as bitches. <laughs> and so I, I, you, this, this, you can't write, the, you can't make this up. I wrote them back a letter explaining them, you know, that a bad bitch is a good thing. <laughs> it's a woman who's in control, who's like, you know, knows herself yeah. and is not going to take from anybody. So you know. you're explaining hip-hop so terminology. So I'm explaining, you know, I would never say just bitch, you know, I said bad bitch, that's okay. And you know what? And they sent me back a letter that. They're like, they don't even know what to do with it. Like, we've closed this matter. You know? like, <laughs> like, don't even want to like open the door to that. But yeah, that's a real story. Speaking of bad bitches, yeah. you have 
coined the term um, beauty warrior. Yes. Can you explain to our listening audience what exactly is a beauty warrior and how'd you come up with that phrase? And yeah. how do I become a beauty warrior? You know, you talk about self-empowerment, right? And like feeling you know, about self-esteem mm -hmm. and I've, you know, through the years of seeing women go through it, men go through it too. I mean, I, I'm myself at Plastic Surgery. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it takes some courage, you know? Uh, it takes courage just to come into the office and just like bare your soul, you know, and get naked or say, I don't like my nose or I don't like this. You know, it, it's, it's not something that people do lightly. And uh, so that's the first step that it takes courage to do this. And then there's a lot of pain <laughs> involved and mm -hmm. suffering and recovery and all that. And it is like going into a battle. And so, you know, in talking to uh, my social media assistants, Ashley and Brittany, we were like trying to come up with a term that kind of um, encapsulated the idea of something that requires courage and, uh, and, and, and sacrifice to get to where you want to go. And the term warrior is like, these people are like warriors to get, in, to get through this. And it just clicked beauty warrior. And so, um, yeah, it, it, we just made that as a hashtag and just, it just took on. So a beauty warrior is someone who like, you know, is willing, is brave enough and uh, knows, knows what, they, what they don't like, what they want to fix and is willing to, to pay the price to go through it and try. Wow, um, that's awesome. Yeah, it was, that was a deeper uh, meaning than what I thought you were yeah. going yeah. to say. Yeah, no, that's it. That's, 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 that's a story. And there. I don't think we ever think about the internal battle that a person faces oh, yeah. before they walk into your office. Oh, it's, Plastic surgery seems um, a little vain when you think about it without mm -hmm. thinking about it on a d deeper level. Right. But the way that you break it down, right. it does take courage to mm -hmm. say, I don't like this about myself. Right. Can you fix it? And right. to even have right. that strength to walk in to address those issues. It is. I've, I've seen people walk up to the door, walk away. Walk, like, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> Like, like they're I having walk, a battle. Yeah, with like I've, yeah, I've walked up to my office in the morning and seen people do that. I'm like, <laughs> want to come in? <laughs> we, don't wanna, we don't bite. Um, but yeah, there's there's that. Yeah, you know, a lot of there's a lot of plastic surgery haters out there. It's huge numbers of people mm -hmm. who, who consider plastic surgery vain. I really, I you know, I have, I really can't even understand their argument. Um, I, I look at it like in you know in any other area of life, if you don't like something. You try to make yourself better. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. In every area, you know, I mean, people are born and, you know, we don't, you know, we don't like just live on the ground. We make houses for ourselves. We don't just like accept things the way they are, just because yeah. how they are. We try to make things better, faster, stronger. And, uh, you know, I compare it to like a kid getting braces. You know, if, if you see an 11 and 12 year old kid and his teeth are like, <laughs> uh, his face, his missing teeth. It looks all weird. Yeah. No one would like pat the mom on the back and say, "Good for you. You're you're letting him live the way God made him." And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's just how it is. It's you're almost expected to fix that. You're expected. Yeah. It's almost like child abuse. You know? <laughs> like fix that kid's teeth. He's never gonna smile. No, no, he'll never smile. But don't worry. That's how he was made. Just go with it. So like in, everybody looks at that and understands that. I understand why people can't see the same thing. If a woman's breasts are too big or, or, or they don't feel comfortable because they're, they're, they, they, they don't feel womanly because their breasts aren't, didn't grow or, or they just want to be better. They yeah. just want to have, they just want to be the best person they can be. So I don't see, I think there's a lot of more things out there that are more vain than this. I mean, like I look at the cars people drive, yes. how much people spend <laughs> on that. And it's like, come on, you're going from point A to point B. And every car has the same four wheels. So. You're, gonna, you're not going to get there that much faster. Um, you know, so I think there's a lot, if you're going to talk about vanity 
in, in society today, I think plastic surgery is not the place to start. I think you started all the other excess things that we do. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Do you believe that uh, plastic surgery gives an unrealistic portrayal for beauty in women? No, I don't think it's plastic surgery. I think it's the lack of admitting to plastic surgery. Mm, very Key. good point. Yeah, yeah I don't Major. think it's plastic surgery. And, and also, like, there's a lot of Photoshop goes on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's been going on since they had since magazines were invented. You know, yeah. people are people just like to see themselves in the best possible light, and they Photoshop everything. Um, so I don't think I don't think plastic surgery contributes to that. I think if people underststood that plastic surgery is just a tool, um, just like veneers are a tool to make your smile yeah, better. Absolutely. And, you know, and the, that's it. But if people pretend like these are my nice white teeth, I was born with them. There, <laughs> everything's perfect. I never had braces. I mean, yeah. like that's just lying. Yeah. You know? yeah. Speaking of the emergence of plastic surgery, back in the day, plastic surgery was. For celebrities, yeah, or for really rich people, yep, yep. <laughs> On your show, yep. you have a lot of regular everyday because people. that's how it is in real life. Mm-hmm. That's how pl- real. That's how real plastic surgery is, you know. And I, and I, I feel like the plastic surgeons in America have done a horrible job of explaining what they do to people. And I kind of, I kind of I, I look back and I see how it was. I mean, think before the internet, before digital photography. Um, what was plastic surgery? It was something that, you know, there, there weren't that many plastic surgeons. Right. Um, so it was very expensive. Mm-hmm. So only rich people could afford to do it. Uh, even celebrities like Marilyn Monroe back in the 50s, she had a chin implant, she had a nose job. No one knew about it till her plastic surgeon died. And in his will, in his estate, all the records were there wow. and were auctioned <laughs> off. So like, I mean, think about that. So back in the 50s, there were these stars that were doing this stuff, but nobody was talking about it. The only people that you knew had plastic surgery were these like older rich people because mm-hmm. price was insane. So you, most young people didn't have the money to do it. And they were getting facelifts. They kind of made them look weird. You know, like strange. Like that, That's kind of like what I, my idea of plastic surgery was before I went into this guy's office and saw those pictures in the, in the early 1990, whenever it was. So my idea with plastic surgery was like older rich women that kind of, they didn't look better. They kind of looked tighter (laughs) and it just didn't right yeah and so plastic surgeons maybe maybe in a for a self-serving way they just kind of made it that plastic surgery is only for rich rich weirdos or whatever and maybe it was easier for them because they they could charge 30 40 grand for whatever they were doing live a high life and not have to work too hard but really the the plastic surgery that benefits the most people is the tummy tucks, the mommy makeovers, the stuff that regular everyday people need and want. Mm -hmm. And until the internet came around and people started talking about it and posting pictures before and afters, I I think um, there was this misconception about what plastic surgery meant and what it was. So I'm really happy to be a part of this shifting in the in the entire society of their understanding of what plastic surgery is about. I think you're being humble. I think you're responsible for the shit. I think so too. I, do. Yeah, I think I think your I influence uh, in plastic in that field yeah. is just so magnificent. It's so huge. I don't think that you realize how many um, people and women and even other surgeons are watching your work and the innovations that you're making in your life. Well, I know there are other surgeons because because I, I know there's other surgeons out there doing this, like hundreds of surgeons mm-hmm. doing putting it on their Snapchat and stuff. Even I saw a gallbladder being taken out in England the oh, other day. Wow. So I mean, wow. even even like <laughs> just general surgeons and stuff are showing. And I think it's I think it's really nice, not just for plastic surgery, but for like people to understand how medicine works. Yeah. For kids, you know, I mean, yeah. a lot of kids are on Snapchat. You know, high school kids. And I wish I had 
this when I was in high school. It would have motivated you sooner. It would have motivated me sooner. Yeah. It, I mean, I really, I mean, I, I it, it's a, a whole new world. Yeah. It's a whole new world. Do you think uh, the strip culture yeah. helped to make plastic surgery more common for women of color? Because a lot in like the black community, it was unheard of to go under the knife. Like right. back when so, I was growing so, up in a teenager, that so didn't happen. I mean, I've got a whole theory about this. Okay. <laughs> I've got a whole theory about this. You thought about the strippers a little bit. Right. Of course. Right. No, of course. No, because, look, by the way, and I haven't been to a strip club since I was 21. But <laughs> for my 21st birthday, I remember they got me drunk. They took me, I was in St. Louis, took me east side. The east side of St. Louis. <laughs> oh, that's so, yeah. So anyway. But but obviously you know like any plastic surgeon you're gonna have all kinds of people. I would say it's it's less than one percent of my overall patient population. But I but you know I obviously I know about the strip clubs, um, and there is a, a now lately there's a nexus as a connection between the strip clubs and popular hip hop music and, yeah. and culture. It's like it's it starts the there. They're one and the mm-hmm. same because and I and I know exactly why because um, young artists can go and perform and get paid quickly yeah money you know how to get an arena and to go out and try new stuff in an arena and make 10 grand you know or 20 grand on yeah. an arena show that's what their cut is at the end of the day they can make six seven ten or amigos made 30 grand just showing up walking through king of diamonds that's crazy you know so of yeah. course you're gonna do that and do yeah. that every night <laughs> Instead of getting an arena, you know, once a year yeah. or something. So and it could I, be a risk that the arena won't sell yeah, out. You right. know exactly. King of Diamonds is going to sell right. out. Right, yeah. and, and it's cat. So I totally get it. Everything makes, you know, economic sense and logical when you think about it. But so the reason, um, you know, what, what, what is, uh, what do we, what does plastic surgery offer like a typical person? Obviously, it offers them an increase in their self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They feel better. Um, sometimes it, it will strengthen their marriage, you know, if they're, if they feel uncomfortable in the bedroom and suddenly they okay. have self-confidence, you know, and a happy wife is a happy mom, a happy life, you know? Absolutely. And all that stuff. <laughs> there's that Married benefit. women have this there, Right. So there's, there's that aspect of it. It also makes you more confident if you go for a job. Um, I've had, I know girls in their late teens, early twenties and they blossom after plastic surgery. Like mm-hmm. they were like kind of like shy and wallflowers. And then afterwards they feel more confident that they can. Mm-hmm. In interviews and in, you know in, in school wherever they are they just feel better, and you're translating, um, you know, self esteem into into life gains. Mm-hmm. Um, nowhere is it more direct than a woman who, who's going to be in, in a strip club because you are your what we call erotic capital is something that all all of us have. What's called erotic capital, which is our ability to make people do things for us based on our appearance mm-hmm. or our, our potential to seduce people in different ways. So um, that's, so like there's cap, there's intellectual capital, there's mm-hmm. social capital. If you're born in the right family, the right place, if you're one of the bushes or something, yeah. there's social <laughs> capital, the there's, right. <laughs> right. There's economic capital. Um, and then there's something called erotic capital, which is the, the, you know, how we're, and that's largely often determined by how you look and how you're born or you can, you can work out and yeah. increase it and get yeah. in shape. But, what what strippers do is they turn <laughs> they are able to turn their erotic capital into money capital into income, <laughs> into income. and so it's they're like invest it's like just a, a regular business investment mm-hmm. you know and it makes it makes a whole lot of sense but so you know if you are coming from a place where you don't have a lot of family support and or education and you have to put food on the table and uh, and get through life 
you know, it's a, it's a perfectly, it's a, it's a totally rational, understandable thing. Okay. I'm going to invest in my body and I'm going to use my, my erotic capital to get, Mm -hmm. to get paid. And so you can justify the investment to people. You You know what I mean? It's an easy thing to justify. Why are you getting those implants? Well, this is my, I'm going to be shaking them (laughs) in King of Diamonds. I'm going to get paid. That makes sense. You know, it's a, it's a different kind of a leap to understand and to explain to people why are you getting implants? You know, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're a, re- a regular person. Yeah, You're not going to be yeah. using that to make money, but really, you know, you 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 get the return in other parts of your in life. In other ways. Yeah, you're yeah. not going to get paid, you know, in single dollar bills, <laughs> but you do. You but do. it may boost your confidence or make you feel better, your self esteem. Yeah. And there's so other things. You know, there's there's many studies that show that attractive people get paid more. There is that. That's it's like, actually yeah. it's been eight eight percent eight percent. It's called a beauty premium. Yeah. It's eight wow. percent more. And that's more. been proven. So there you go. You know. <laughs> Go see Dr. Miami if right. you want to look better. Right, no, get that but, 8%. No, but, when, but when you talk about the strip club culture and you talk about all that, you know, and how it relates to plastic surgery, and obviously, you know, um, <laughs> the other thing is like a, a typical mom will, will usually only be seen by one other man naked. So it's not like my work gets a lot of exposure. Right. But if, if but a stripper <laughs> is going to be seen by They're like a commercial, it's like, like a, a commercial. commercial. It's like hundreds, thousands of people. Right. Seeing, so. <laughs> now you spoke about moms, and you you speak extremely highly of your wife, which I yeah. love. Um, and there's this great quote at the beginning of your show. It says, "Normally, plastic surgeons." operate on celebrities. Right. Dr. Miami is a celebrity. Right, so that, yeah, how, that's Rosie. How has your family adjusted to your celebrity? Because you went from Mike the Surgeon yeah, to yeah. Dr. Miami. Yeah, so um, they're they're handling it okay. You know, my, my I mean, I, I think I'm blessed because it happened at this stage of life, okay. you know? So they, they all remember and know Mike, dad, you know? Mm-hmm. And also, you know, everybody has different personalities we put on in different places. So, at home, I'm still dad, okay. you know, so they, they still, they don't get a, you know, they don't get Dr. Miami at home. Okay. They get dad at home, mm-hmm. but like they get to play basketball with us on white side. Right. So that the right there, that's, <laughs> that's a perk, you right. know? Um, and then when we go out to the mall and stuff, sometimes they're a little bit, a couple of them are annoyed when people stop and want to take selfies. Mm-hmm. But, you know, two of my kids are like, they want to be in that selfie. You know, so like awesome. it depends on their personality. But I'm 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 lucky as my daughter is already she's gonna be 18 this month, and she's leaving home. You know, she's going to college, and so so all that has already happened. So I'm kind of out of the woods. I feel like with her a little bit. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. You you it's the humility that amazes it's, it's me. Amazing. Yeah. That, it's amazing. it's it's refreshing. Like so many people that fame and celebrity go to their head and they become a different person. You seem like the same. Class clown yes, now with accomplishments. Right. Now with accomplishments. You're the same man I, I, uh, that I met your wife. It yeah, doesn't seem like sure. it's changed you at all. For sure. Well, listen, having five kids and mortgage and all that stuff, that humbles me. <laughs> There's no, you know, yeah, it's, it's like I, 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 you know, I have a lot of responsibility. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, and I know, especially surgeons, I feel like doctors in general, if they're smart, they're like very close to God. Like they understand that like we do just a little bit of the work and God does most of it. I love oh, that. Wow. You know, like, I love that. Put, like I could put the skin together, but like I, I he heals like, it. I'm telling you, it's wow. the human body is the most amazing thing. And so and I never go home at night and like just 
you know, I, I always have to say it's in God's hands. Like I never yeah. like go home and say, I did a great job and it's going to be perfect. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's the like, fact that you are deeply rooted in yeah. spirituality and that you believe in God oh, so yeah. faithfully would put me at ease yeah. if, I, if I chose you to be my surgeon. That yeah. that would definitely I, be I a talk to God. Point. I talk to God all the time. <laughs> He's listening. Uh, uh, the work that you do. All the time. How do you feel um, about patients that come back repeatedly? Have you ever had to tell someone this is enough? I yeah. can't do this anymore on your body. Yeah. So yeah, they're, 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 the answer is yes. Over the years I have, um, I'm getting a lot better at kind of weeding out people mm-hmm. ahead of time who may fall into that category Okay. and just saying no from the beginning. Okay. Because there are, I mean, look, I turn away at least 10, 15% of people that come in the door for, oh. if, if it's not for a medical reason, it's for a psychological reason. Okay. Some people have what's called body dysmorphia where they, they think something's wrong with them, but there really isn't like the, or they're, they're obsessed with something that they shouldn't be. So like some people, like, they think their ears stick out too far, but okay. really they're normal. Mm-hmm. Or they see something when they look in the mirror that everybody else doesn't, doesn't see. see. And plastic surgery doesn't help those people. Okay. So to operate on them would be a, would be a disservice to them and they're never going to be happy. Okay. And, the whole point of plastic surgery is to make people happy. So like mm-hmm. even sometimes if I do my work and I think they look great, but they don't feel happy, mm-hmm. that makes, that like weighs on me. Like oh, wow. my, if you ask my wife, that's like the thing that like weighs brings on you me, down. brings me down. And so I always try to look for people as patients that I think are happy people to begin with mm-hmm. or that I can make happier. You know what I mean? So yeah. like that's another thing, you know, they have to be realistic um, and they have to be in a place where they're willing to, you know, acknowledge improvement and be yeah. happy. Yeah. You know, cause Do that's you ever have to go in and fix a botched job that other surgeons have done yeah. before you? Sure. Sure. I mean, and, and like the word botch is kind of like, it's like thrown around a lot, <laughs> but like, you know, I would say 90% or more of the things that I see that people call botched are really not botched. Okay. It's just like either the patient went in with some kind of unrealistic expectations Got the you. first time and the surgeon did a bad job explaining okay ahead of time what the results what the like. results are going to be like and what's possible and then other things it's just things happen infections happen capsular contracture happens with breast implants hematomas i mean those are just normal parts of surgery mm-hmm. they're not really like the surgeon could control it um but if you don't explain this to people ahead of time they're going to come out and they're going to think you botched me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For example, like people's scars heal differently, you know? Yes. Keloids. Is keloids. that a common complication? Keloid, keloids happen and, and hypertrophic scars happen. And it's really a mystery because sometimes like you'll have a tummy tuck incision this long and like only two inches of it will be a keloid and the rest will be fine. Wow. Or this, you know, so like what's different about this part? No, we don't really know. We don't understand. If we understood how to prevent keloids, how to prevent capture contracture, how to prevent all these things, we would. Do you think you know? that, um, because I see a lot of your patients on social media flaunting their results, which are beautiful, yeah. um, but a lot of them have gone through multiple rounds. Do yeah. you think that misconception? No, is- I try to tell people on the Snapchat that people, you know, <laughs> sometimes people need two rounds. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's like, I mean, I don't play golf, but you know, I know when sometimes I don't get a hole in one every time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Even Tiger Woods doesn't get a hole in one every time. So you you have to go into it knowing there's a, a 10, 15% revision rate, which is normal. That's just normal for okay. anything in life and normal for plastic surgery, especially if you want it perfect. Got you. You know, because it, it's it's like hitting a golf ball into the wind. You don't know how that person's going to heal. 
or how or what they're going to do after surgery either. Yeah. You know, if they yeah. sit on it too soon or that one lifestyle is different than the other, they smoke cigarettes. Or, <laughs> you know, they can, you know, things can heal differently and you have to come back and make sure if you want it right. Now, most people are happy, you know, with getting very close to the target. Some people, you know, want it right at the target. Yeah. So yeah, I'll yeah, come back and we'll we'll do more. Okay. What distinguishes you from other surgeons? What do you think? Um, I, I, is it work ethic? Is it... You know, I have a, I, I'm not just saying this because you said I was humble, but I have a great team around me. I really do. I have a great team around me. Okay. And, and we have, like a lot of the guys and girls that work with me have been together for 10 years or more. So, you know, and we work hard, you know, five, six days a week. So we, we. That's like a family. It's like almost. a family. It's, yeah. it's, it's totally a family. And uh, yeah. And so that's, that's really, that's the difference. I think, you know, surgeons who operate in hospitals, for example, they usually don't operate with the same people every day. Mm-hmm. The hospital hires people yep. and there's different shifts. It's more like, okay, Got this you. assistant, this person is working on Tuesday when, you know, he's taking them on, whatever it is, you know, it, it's hard to, to get a system. Yeah. You so know? you've developed a routine with these a people. Routine. They know you while they you're operating. They know. And, and like, if I say the wrong word, they give me the right instrument. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like I can ask for something yeah. and they'll go, <laughs> you know, they'll put the right thing in my hand. Like, yeah. this is what you meant, right? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's key. And then, and, and, all the girls, except for two of the newer employees, all the girls have had surgery by me. Wow, that means they trust you. We saw Brittany's surgery. Yeah, Brittany, yeah right. she so, looks amazing. Yeah, she looks great. I hope she stays that way. She has <laughs> Brittany, Brittany, you know, she was a college athlete okay. and, and a high school athlete, you know, top level athlete. And she, you know, she's not on a basketball team anymore. Mm-hmm. And she's still eating like she's on a basketball team. <laughs> You know, a, I, I when sympathize you're, with her. You know, Dr. when Miami. you're working out two, three hours a day, yeah, you can eat chicken nuggets as much as you want. But like, <laughs> I'm trying to explain to her that <laughs> if you're not going to hit the gym two, three hours a day. You can't eat like you do. So that's that's a little bit of an issue. But all the girls have had surgery by me, and what that means is they can relate to the patients. And you know, having been a patient, they yeah. understand. Yeah. They can tell them, look, this is normal. This isn't normal. Whatever. This is how you're going to feel. Yeah. And that, I think that's a big, a big advantage. And I think a lot of surgeons are kind of stingy with that. And I see, you know, they feel like, why should I give my employees free surgery? Or why should I, you know, it's free. They f- it's free. We yeah. need to for work for you. And that's the other thing too, is I do a lot of free, like I, over the years, I've done a lot of free surgery, mm-hmm. like, wow. especially you know, it, and like part of it is part of it is just like to make me feel good. Yeah, yeah. You know, but also it's just good. It's just good vibes. You know. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. can you hire yeah. me or no? <laughs> <laughs> Ro- Rosie's in charge of hiring. Yeah. Rosie's, Rosie's my sister-in-law. And she also runs a practice, so she's okay. like she's in charge of all that stuff. That's right. Wife, well, you got a hand. Have a hand. <laughs> Absolutely. She's my yeah. wife's sister. So that's she. Awesome. So and she's been with me since two thousand and seven, two thousand eight. So yeah, that's good. A long that's time good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, hiring it, it just threw my. Threw me off. <laughs> 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 oh my How many surgeries do you perform per day? Two or three. Two or three. That's oh all wow, I can, that's, that's all a low do. number that's compared all I can do. to like it feels like other surgeons have a factory. Meal yeah. So uh, let me tell you, and I went through a stage around two thousand nine, two thousand ten. I was doing about eight to 10 surgeries a day. I had two operating rooms. I was going back and forth. And what I found was it was, it was just too much. Really? And it's not on you or for the patient on me, on you. It was just too much on me because 
and it wasn't in the operating room that it was different. It was afterwards. Okay. Like I just couldn't see that many follow-ups. Oh, I okay. see. So I the aftercare, the wasn't, aftercare as wasn't as personal. Okay. I didn't get to know patients as well either. And I just felt like, um, yeah, like a factory, a little yeah. bit too much like a factory. Um, and uh, yeah, actually, and I'm in Miami. A lot of the, you know, a lot of those patients back then, they spoke Spanish only. So I was speaking through a translator. Okay. And I really should have learned Spanish years ago, but I've just, uh, <laughs> I, have a, I have a bad head for languages yeah. for whatever reason. I just, yeah, I can, like, una cerveza, por favor. That's about all I can say. Is, is like, that give beer? Me a, give me, give a, me a beer. beer. Right. That's about all I can say, you know? And so, um, so again, I just didn't, I wasn't feeling it. Okay. You know? And so I made a conscious very conscious effort to slow down. But the fact that you're not motivated by how much money you can make per day awesome. is there's, amazing there's, in awesome. I mean, my wife is. But. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, but but the, she she understands too, you know, that there's a limit to how much... And, and, and it, it becomes self-defeating because you burn out. Yeah, yeah. You burn out. And it's not... It's not about the money at the... I won't say it's not about the money because it is about the money always, but... After a certain income level, the return is not as great. Okay, you know, like you know, when I was when I was a, a, a resident and intern, I was a resident and intern and a fellow for seven years, and I was working about 120 hours a week at the hospital, sleeping there every other night. And the first year, I made twenty nine thousand dollars before taxes. Wow! And that <laughs> before taxes. And you would expect it to be much so, higher. No, that was it, and it, it it rose after the end of seven years to forty thousand. That was during residency. That was residency right? okay. and fellowship, and we had we were just having our kids. We lived in a little house, and we had to ask everybody for help, mm-hmm. um, for money. Her parents, my parents, you know, like whatever. Yeah. Um, and we were fine, and we never starved. We yeah. never we had everything. You we were just needed. grinding. You were in the we're grinding. Just grind. We were grinding. We had lift off credit card debt. We yeah. were paying this, paying that, whatever. So. Going from that to being, you know, self-sufficient, not even having to, not having to ask anybody for help, mm-hmm. and probably helping others a and, lot. Yeah, and helping others. Yeah. yeah, we. I mean, just from my religious standpoint, we always give ten percent. Even when we're making a little bit of money, we still give ten percent. So, like, there's always somebody you can help. So, and we. I remember back then we had this thing because we money was very tight. So we would just take whatever the paycheck was. It was $800 every two weeks. We took we took $80 and put that in a separate account. Mm-hmm. And then we gave charity out of that. Anyway, that's just something that and 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 that we do. And But going from that to being self-sufficient, that's a huge jump. Mm-hmm. That's like going from like one to like a, a seven. Mm-hmm. But then going from like self-sufficient to being able to help other people and like take expensive vacations, that's like going from like a seven to an eight. Yeah. And once you've taken some fancy vacations and you've flown business class a few times, <laughs> it's like going from maybe like an eight to a nine, but then going to like the next level, private jets and things like that, that's just one number higher Yeah. as far as your lifestyle. It yeah. doesn't really... It's not a significant... You're not, you're not going from starving to eating. Yeah. Right. You're not going yeah. from starving to eating. And so to burn yourself out over that... Yeah. Over that one, one number isn't worth it. It's not worth it. Your character is amazing. That is, yeah. It's not worth oh, it. So, so we dialed back there. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you've you done thousands of surgeries. Yeah. Do you now see people in nips and tucks? So, so when you meet somebody, you're like, hmm. Yes. Sizing them up. Maybe they could <laughs> use yes. a little. Yes. Get your little Sharpie. <laughs> tuck there. Yes, yes. But that, <laughs> yes. So that yes, makes yes, me yes, think yes. he sized us up when he walked in. Like, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, <laughs> this out. 
it's, it's like it's like when you're a plastic surgeon, the whole world is pre-op. Like the whole world, everybody, and that's the beauty of plastic surgery is that everybody's a potential patient. You know, if you're a brain surgeon, a heart surgeon, whatever, you don't know what their insides yeah, are like. Yeah. But plastic surgeons, it's everybody's your canvas, so you kind of have that. Going on. On the spot. Wow. Always. We always. are your canvas. What no, would you I do? Can't. <laughs> no, I, I can't. I can't do that. He's like, you ladies are too nice. Right? You guys are too perfect. It's, it would be malpractice to offer. Good it would be malpractice to offer on any of you because you're so perfect. There's no, you get another you letter in the mail. There's nothing, you can do. There's nothing you can do. You are bitch code approved. Right. <laughs> no, but but seriously, it's like, yeah, I mean, and, and, and even more before I was Dr. Miami, people would come up to me and ask, like show me stuff you know, <laughs> at parties, you know. I remember, and then this is before Dr. Miami days, this is just when I was Michael, the surgeon. I went for a colonoscopy at the Cleveland Clinic in Weston and they give you, um, you know, propofol and some Versed, something to like knock you out a little bit. And it gives you what we call retrograde amnesia, which is you don't remember anything, but you're still awake. Oh, mm. wow. Yeah. Okay. So they can do whatever they want to you, but <laughs> you won't remember it at all. And so I went, I went in and did my thing. And I remember in the, I was in the gown, you know, those horrible hospital gowns with like some, some gooey stuff smeared on my backside. <laughs> and this nurse has her shirt off. And I'm doing an, ex I'm like measuring her because she's like asking for a breast lift and stuff like that. <laughs> And that's my first memory of waking up. So like I must have been doing consultations yeah. on the staff <laughs> for like five or 10 minutes. There was a whole bunch of women there asking about their tummies and stuff. So like wherever I went, people would be like, show me, they'd be like, show me their tummy, yeah. show me their breasts, show me their this or that. So yeah, that's funny. That's, that's awesome. for years. Now there was a <laughs> yeah, um, right. It's, it's the strangest thing. Like, you have a, I have a memory of not knowing how I got there, mm -hmm. just being in the middle of like examining <laughs> some lady in a hospital. No, I have a question about um, a, a transgender woman that was performing surgeries in Miami. Oh, do you know that of that story? I know the story. I saw it on TV. Yeah, I read she about was, it online. I think she just uh, got convicted actually yeah. of uh, one of her patients, if you can call it that, because she wasn't an actual doctor. Died. Yeah. How do you feel about the people I that? Trying to do knockoff surgeries. I mean, it's. I mean, I. It makes me angry and sad, and also like it just makes me shake my head because like who would do that? Like, yeah. not. For, I, I understand that there are people that push the push the limit and that their moral compass is a little off, and there's bad people and good people. I get all that, but like, who is willing to like put their body in their hands at risk? For something like that, I mean, there, it takes two to tango. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. True. You need true. there's this there's this obviously you know mentally ill person doing this yeah. stuff, and then there's people who like give their money. Yeah. To that, and I don't know if it's out of desperation or just out of you know silliness. Yeah. You know, but or maybe it's the people with the body dys dysmorphia. It could who, be who, who surgeons turn away. That's yeah. possible too. Yeah. You know? Maybe it's the people that are that are can't get it anywhere else who is just willing to go through that great length to get it done. It could be, and so there's you know like you know it's like any like anything you know you you need to be careful. Yeah. You need to be careful. Well, before we get out of here, we want to play a quick game with you. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> Is it good jeans or is it good hands? <laughs> <laughs> we are going to give you uh, oh, okay. a, a notable names? Yeah, okay. celebrity, and we okay. want you to tell us: Do you think it's good jeans or good hands? Okay, now can I can I can I keep my phone here so I can Google you pictures? Can. Yeah. You can. Just in case. <laughs> 
because I don't know everybody, you know. I don't know. I don't know everybody. And I, sometimes I confuse people in my head. You know, it's hard to keep the Kardashians straight. You know, oh, God. there's so many of them. There's so right? many of them, and now there's Jenners too. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. uh, so go ahead. All right, the, this first one everybody knows. She's beautiful. J Lo. Is that good jeans or good hands? Both. Both. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, it's both. Mm. It's both. Mm. Okay, I want to dig deeper, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> it's both. Okay, I chose Phaedra Parks. Okay, hold on. Let me let me get good this. Good jeans or good hands? I have a picture of her. Yeah, y'all right there. Mm-hmm. Okay, hold on. She is a housewife. Yes, and right, 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 Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Housewife of, of Atlanta. She's 43. She's okay, so I gotta take. I got because it's it's important. The one on the left, right? In the yeah. pink, yep. Yeah. Okay. His face is so I can't, can I, can I see? Yeah, because... All right, let me see. Hold on. I got to zoom in. I mean, <laughs> I, I want to do this right. I want to do this right. Do you have any pictures of her earlier? Of her before she looked yeah, like Yeah, like before she became a star, because that's really how we can... That's how you tell. You look at that's the one. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, okay. that's, that's obvious giveaways. Um, I mean, her... I don't see, I don't, and she's 43. I don't see anything obvious in her face, in her body, though. I mean, she has a really nice body. She has a good, she has good genes to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't see her breasts. They don't, they don't look very big in that bikini, but is that just the angle? They aren't very big, they I don't think. No, but she's it's very It's sounding like heavy. maybe good jeans. She's bottom mm. heavy, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm inclined, I'm inclined without knowing more, seeing her before. Her stardom to say good jeans, but and I, and I maybe we need another angle of the booty. <laughs> <laughs> to know for sure. All right, Miss yeah. Park. Yeah. <laughs> she, gets, she gets a pass. She gets a pass. <laughs> the other thing is, how many kids does she have? Two. Two. Two, two boys. Have you seen her in a bikini or front side? She yeah, looks it's, awesome. It's, yeah. She, she but like, like her belly button is yeah. all. Yeah. Like, yeah. It isn't crooked. It no, isn't it's stretched. Look, it looks good. <laughs> All right. Good jeans. Good jeans. Good jeans. Our last celebrity is Miss mm. Amber Rose, who just recently came out and said that her booty was real. On Hip Hop Square. On Hip Hop Square, yeah. she said that. Well, I mean, re- so so let me tell you. Uh-oh. A lot of celebrities say their booty is real, but what they mean is... They use real fat? They use real fat. Uh-oh. So it's real, yeah. it's, real, it's, real, it's real, real fake, <laughs> but it's, it's enhanced, okay. but it's their okay. own stuff. And they could pass that, like Kim Kardashian could pass the MRI test because it's all her fat. Got you. There's no implants in there. Um, I will say Amber Rose has incredible genes. Uh, as far as her booty being 100% as God made her, I would put that <laughs> at like maybe 50-50. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say... So I we're gonna say good I w- hands. I would good, say, yeah, we're say good hands. If I had to bet, you know, that's you were a betting man. If I were a betting man, yeah. <laughs> say she's visited a surgeon some at some point in the past. Okay, right. cool, cool. Well, uh-huh. this has been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Probably one of the best interviews we've conducted so far. For sure. You're super humble. You, you have to thank your wife for motivating you and <laughs> pushing you and being she the is. awesome she woman is. next to the man. Right. <laughs> um, we're we're just is. so pleased to have you. So thank, thank you for, you for coming. It's cool. Is there anything that you want to shout out? Uh, anything you want our listeners to know? No, I mean, just, you know, if you... Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's important to plastic surgery is not for everybody. Um, but if you if you know, if you do your homework and you, you think it can make you feel better about yourself, it's worth looking into. That's it. 
cool. Okay. Very cool. cool. Awesome. Well, that is episode, what are we on? 10, ten. I think. Ten. Episode 10. ten. That, this was a good way to commemorate the 10th episode. Thank yeah. you for having me. Definitely. Oh, thank you, for coming. thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. You are awesome. All right. Well, we are always going to end the podcast the same way. We hope you enjoyed the show. We hope you took something from this episode, learned something about plastic surgery. Uh, if you didn't know who Dr. Miami was, I don't know how you've been living under a rock. Right. But follow him on social media at the Real Dr. Miami. You can follow me at Novelista on Twitter and at Ashley Antoinette on Instagram. I'm not on Snapchat yet. Uh, <laughs> She's such a grandma. This is Bitch Cole Chloe. I'm on IG, Bitch Cole underscore KC. And this is V. You can follow me at bitchcode underscore V, V E E. And I also have a new book coming out. The Prada Plan 5 will be out May 16th. So make sure you pre order that. Um, or go just go to the bookstore and grab it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you are a pretty bitch, ugly bitch, whack bitch, uh, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> bad bitch, bad bitch, boss bitch, educated bitch, uh, even some of you bitch ass niggas listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, we are always trying to have fun, but this one was very informative. Was I feel like very... I feel like we I learned a lot speaking with you. Yeah. Thank you. So thank you cool. so much. Um, what else? Bitch Cold Podcast, uh, P-O-D-C-S-T on Instagram. Follow us and we will be back with more exciting episodes like this one. Thank Peace you out. for tuning in. Bye. And Bye. we're out. Bye. Thank you. It's the Bitch Cold Podcast.